You're listening to The Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, former Prep Course Ops Superintendent and current Special Reconnaissance Training Guru, Trent Segmiller. Hey everybody, welcome back to the team room. You're with Ones Ready, as always, uh, your favorite people to hang out with on Saturday morning. It might not be Saturday morning where you're at right now, but it's Saturday morning for us or Sunday morning. After a great night of fights and everything else, we're just talking about stuff and we're here to hang out with y'all and, um, you know, answer your questions. That's what we're best at. That's why you come here. That's why you subscribe and you leave us five-star reviews, which we really appreciate. And um, and if you're listening to this early in the morning, there are things that, uh, that get you through your morning, right? Especially if you're in Africa and you're deployed. What and kind of uh, things, Trent? What I'm, kind of things are those? I'm looking over at Jared, and I'm I'm wondering what what is that steamy, hot, wonderful beverage that you're drinking that keeps you looking so young and fresh, Chief? Oh, you know I'm not looking young. Let's let's be real about that. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I, I there, imagine there's an art to sucking up to people that outrank you, and oh, this yeah. is this is not, as far as I go. Not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would be partaking in some trench coffee from uh, from our combat control buddy out there in Vegas. So, enjoying that cowboy blend right now. Yeah, it's and delicious, didn't... man. They sent uh, they sent a whole bunch of bags downrange, so we just got it. I, I threw Jeff a note and said thanks. But yeah, open it up, and it was like as soon as I opened the package, I was like, oh, this is the best. I sent him a picture. All the dudes are super excited about it. The uh, cowboy blend is fire. Like it's their extra caffeine yeah. uh, roast that they have. Yo, it put I, hair I on your chest. Drink a lot of, it really does. Yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. Um, Wait, do, so I'm pretty do you promise? Because I'm a, it's I'm good. a little light. <laughs> <laughs> Trent's chest hair situation. I never thought Look, that'd come up on this one, but that's cool. I'm a late bloomer. All right, it's not my fault. <laughs> wow. Off to a, a rousing start, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I could probably use a little extra caffeine right now. But on, on this episode, I believe, um, and if anyone wants to correct me, we're going to go over some uh, frequently asked questions. And um, I know we, we try to answer the questions. We know we're constantly getting a new pool of people in. And so we're not frustrated answering the same questions. We love it. And that's what we're here for. So um, I think uh, I think Peaches has the, the list of all the all the questions. Yeah, so everybody that's uh, that's watching or listening, you guys know that I threw up a story just asking for, for questions. That way we can get some of the frequently asked questions thrown out there. And so I, I have them all here. I, I no kidding. I just busted them open. And we're going to, I mean, the story hadn't closed out yet. So maybe there's a couple more questions that'll come in. But right now I haven't previewed the questions or anything like that. So we'll, <clears throat> it'll kind of be, we're going to do it live kind of thing, which is dangerous. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. It is dangerous, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So um, bear with me as I read them, because I definitely want to make sure that there's nothing inappropriate on here or self-incriminating. So as you get one of my favorite memes that's out there is, uh, you know, about the phrase bear with me. Like imagine trying to tweet to somebody that a grizzly bear was actually in your room and you had to speak in code. That's what bear with me sounds like now. And I can never get that out of my head. Like, hey, everybody, bear with me. I need to say something. Bear with me, like because bears can't read. Get it? So okay, all right. The room. Quick, quick uh, (laughs) story time. I guess Um, back in back in the seventies or eighties, my dad at the local mall, right in Columbia, South Carolina, local mall, they had a wrestling ring 
set up, right? Like the no kid and, you know, WWE wrestling ring. And you mm-hmm. could pay to wrestle a bear. And they had a no kidding bear in there that you were wrestling. And I have a, I have an old picture. Of, I'm going to have to find it now. But I have an old picture of him, no kidding, like standing up with this bear. And they're both standing up <laughs> wrestling. I mean, he got worked, but still. It's a bear. I mean, is your father Vladimir Putin? Because that's what it sounds I just butchered Khabib's last name. But holy crap, yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Wow, that was random. All right. So first question. Um, what's the pipeline like for religious people? Uh, my faith is pretty strict on diet. Could that be an issue? Trent, I'll I'll throw that one over to you, bud. No, I don't. I don't think so. There's there's people that come through that of all creeds and walks of life and all that other stuff. And if you have special needs, it's going to be uh, some personal responsibility if you can't eat what's at the defac or anything else and uh, to keep your, your strength and energy up to make it through the pipeline. But, I mean, I think we've all known people. It's not like we're all just like a single type of person in the community. Um, and, and we all do a little bit of stuff on our, on our own to, to get after our own preferences, but... I've never seen it be a real issue if you're motivated. The only issue that I've ever found with that is on the back end where somebody comes to me like day three in the field and they're like, hey, I didn't mention it, but I really would have appreciated the vegetarian MREs or the halal MREs. And I'm like, dude, we could have fixed this for you weeks ago, but you were being a cone and you like didn't tell us. Like, how am I supposed to fix that now? So then you're like scrambling to get them the dietary stuff that they need or like, you know, I've had I've had students uh, or I guess it wasn't a student. I guess it was a uh, somebody that I was working with, but they don't eat for Ramadan. So you were just like, OK, well, you're going to fast for Ramadan. We just have to figure out a way to to make sure that we, you know, allow you to break your fast and eat uh, when you're allowed to eat and stuff. So, yeah, usually on the back end is the only time that that's a deal. And it's usually because cones are cones and they don't tell you that they have those dietary restrictions until it's way too late to fix it. Yeah, I remember going through Indoc and there there was a. And I'm I'm really gonna butcher this, but it's the seventh day Adventist. Yeah, yes, there you go. Day Adventist. Yeah, um, and and they they accommodated him just fine. So, oh, my phone shut down. By the way, those uh, halal MREs, fire, fire. Are they good? They're so They're much really better. Hitting, so much better. I don't know what the deal is, but it I'm like, holy, ca- hey, don't like, tell people about it. <laughs> it's too late. It's out now. No, I secrets look around. And I'm like, hey, does anybody need these for like their you know specific religious purpose? And people are like, no, I just the whole box. Those think they're all good. I don't know what the deal is. They're great. Mm-hmm. All right, next question, and this is one that all three of us can talk about. But I'm gonna throw it over to you first, Aaron. It's uh, can you guys talk a little bit more about rucking with specific workouts and things like that? Yeah, so I've done. I've got a couple of couple of rucks behind me. I've done the baton four times, three times now. I've got a bunch of long walks. I, I like that. Like I, my brain works really well on long walks. I can just kind of throw a podcast in and throw music in and walk. So the point is, is train specifically for what you're doing and don't overdo it. Even training for the baton, I only train two times a week and I never train more than I want to say a 15 mile ruck at any given time. Usually I would do a long ruck that would be less weight. And I didn't usually go above about 35 pounds in my pack plus water. And then the shorter rucks where I would do about 50 pounds because that was going to be my race weight, I would keep that about 20% of any given distance. So I don't think I went over five miles at any time. And usually what I would do is, you know, the five mile shorter rucks would be for pace where I would just step it out and try to go a little bit faster. And the longer rucks with 35 pounds, I wouldn't, I would 
not worry about the clock at all. And I would just walk and I would have a distance like, okay, today I'm going to knock out this 10 mile ruck. I'm just going to walk it. I'm going to let the pack settle into my back. I'm going to feel where the hot spots are. I'm going to fix what my, you know, whatever my boots and what am I, whatever my sock was, was doing. Um, and then usually, uh, whatever my sock was doing, shut up, Trent. I said it, I don't care. Uh, but usually what I would do there is I would just use those longer rucks to kind of figure out, okay, well for comfort, like I need to make my pack and my boots and my socks and you know, all of, all of my comfort items do this and figure out what I need to carry for food. And then I'd worry about pace. Usually what I would do is I would hit that off as the main training focus of the day. So I would wake up in the morning and that would be my first workout. And then if I wanted to lift or do mobility, like always do mobility, but if I wanted to lift or if I wanted to do any weightlifting, I would do that later in the day after the ruck. Well, you got there, Trent, Mr. Jokey, laugh face. Um, not, nothing. You give great advice. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's always that one sock or something, you know, like you're, you're two and a half miles into the five miles yeah. and you're like, and I it can't, creeps I don't down stop. and always just, yeah. Oh, it, it goes just below. Like, oh man. So where, Aaron, when you're doing that, where are you putting the weight? Like when, as you're building your ruck and loading it with weight, where are you putting that weight? Simple classic stuff. Just like we teach all the students in the pipeline, centered on your back as high up as you can. If I could get it all into that radio pouch and the old Alice frames, I would, but center line on your back, higher up works a little bit better. Use the kidney strap. I see so many people, I see so many people walking around in that kidney strap is like flopping or off or it's not connected. Even on, I got a couple of Osprey packs that are there right here. If I'm no kidding, walking around, even if it's on a light ruck and I just have, you know, food, water and little stuff, I always put it because it put the kidney strap on because it takes all of the weight off of your back and it puts it onto your hips and it helps you load center line onto your hips and it makes you much more stable. You can walk around with a pack that's flopping around on your back and the kidney pack isn't, isn't secured, but it just, because it's moving, you constantly have to stabilize that with your shoulders and with your upper back. And it just gets so freaking so much more tiring. So use the kidney strap. Yeah. And it's also okay to adjust as you go along. Like sometimes you want it, you know, resting on your hips, then you need to put it on your shoulders more, you know, where you're taking more of the shoulders and then you can loosen it and you can constantly adjust it. It's not a, once you get it cinched down, go, you can change it. And there is certain terrain that you would want to change that on. So it's, it's not like airborne after your JMPI where they're like, don't touch yourself. Don't touch anything. <laughs> You're like, that's a weird thing to say to me, Siren Airborne, yeah. but yeah, all right. don't touch yourself is good, exa- uh, good advice pretty much for the entire pipeline. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> um, We're doing it live. No, 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 no. That, we are doing it live. That was uh, my son's alert thing. So, um, Phase one and phase two, Stow Crow focus. I, I guess that question would be, you know, what are they focused on during those selections? I, I know for phase one, you know, it's it's all kind of an admin game. You're you're looking at packages and stuff like that. Um, what are they looking at in person? And while you guys are doing that, I'm just gonna go take care of something real quick. All right. I'm sorry. I'm a child this morning. It's <laughs> it's, it's the worst. I don't, Today uh, is a, the entire episode should be called "That's What She Said" with the pros. Between we just talked about how you're not supposed to touch yourself, and then Jared's like, "Yeah, so uh, there's there's gonna be a lot of looking at packages." And oh, I am a child. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Well, yeah. so you play the you play the the packet game. Like you look at packets that come across your desk as the MFM. So I mean, what are you looking for? PT. Uh, past job performance you know like 
that's Solid, it's pretty man. simple stuff. Like, can you fill this out? And uh, you know, are are you not? You know, like Brian said, I'm not looking for the dummies. I'm looking for the nerds. But yeah, I mean, if you're a performer and you're you're always a performer, uh, I think on the Stoke Crow side, I think they have a test uh, for all the different types of cheese and wines that you have to know as an officer. I think yeah, that's a huge yeah. part of the selection process. So it's like, how many pairs of Sperry's do you have? And if you answer zero, <laughs> it just auto fails you. Like, how many of those short salmon colored shorts do you own? And if it's zero, they're like, whatever. They'll ask about your portfolio. If it's not yeah. diversified, that's another exclusionary tactic. They're like, get out of here. They're like, how do you feel right. about, you know, how, how do you feel about World War II literature and how it applies today? And unless you can have like a two hour impromptu speech on it, they pretty much fire you. Yeah. <laughs> You have yeah. to have an engineering degree. No. So we get this question a lot, actually. You know, people are like, well, you know, can you help me with my phase two packet? Can you help me with my phase one packet? Like, they want to see what you say. They want this. It, it start, your, your job interview starts then. So, of course, you don't want to you don't want to say wacky on professional things. But in your phase one packet, it's your resume. It's how yeah. they're going to give you that initial look to allow you to go to phase two. And then phase two the same thing that we're looking at in ANS, you're looking at in phase two, it's just a more condensed timeline. And that phase two that happens down at Herbie now, that's the officer enlisted all career fields together. We're looking for those nine attributes of soft. We're looking for that grit, that determination. Officers have a little bit more bent on leadership, a little bit more bent on public speaking, a little bit more of a look at, you know, can you conduct yourself well under pressure? Because those are specific combat leadership things that we're looking for in special warfare officers. But it's, People overthink this phase one, phase two process so much that I just, I don't under, and that's from me sitting on boards. That's from me helping people go to phase one and phase two, having friends that are successful at phase one, phase two. It's a job interview. Treat it like a job interview. It just happens to be phase two. It just happens to be the most physical, hardest job interview you're ever going to take. That's yeah. I, don't, I would say just don't wear yourself out trying to like fake anything. Just be who you are. Like, cause it's if you're tiring. a decent person and then, you know. Yeah. It'll come through because trying to fake it, that's just, you just wear yourself out. I feel like you're going to forget. I was going to say, should you dress for the job you want as in wearing silkies (laughs) and a brown shirt or like (laughs) show up, show up in silkies, a brown shirt and a beret. That'll work out great for you. (laughs) All right. Sorry about that. Um, We're very upset about the break. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm don't sure. Ever, don't you ever apologize. <laughs> um, okay, can you guys explain how much say you have in the job that you want if you're going in SWOE? I, I'm thinking that he's he's guessing. All right, you 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 know you're gonna go in SWOE with a SWOE contract and all that kind of stuff. But once you're in ANS or completing ANS, how much say do you have? I'm gonna throw that at you, Trent. What? Like I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's right now. Almost everybody's getting the job they want coming out of ANS, from what we're being told uh, from the folks down there that are that are running through that process. The only way to guarantee to get what you want, just like if you're a pilot, is to be a performer. That's it. It's all up to you. So, knock out all the physical stuff and crush it. Be a good person. You'll get what you want. It's not rocket surgery. Yeah, the, the expanded answer here is you can go in to the Air Force, into SWO, into the SWO-V, and you can be like, I want to be a PJ. 
And if you go and you crush the pass test and you go there, they're like, all right, cool. You're in SWOV. Then you show up to prep and you hear all the briefs and people are like, okay, cool. Here's what attack P does. Here's what a CCT does. Here's what all these other career fields do. And you're like, okay, cool. I still want to be a PJ. You go through ANS, you crush it, you get selected. And they're like, what job do you want? And you get to go, I still want to be a PJ. And that's how it works. Like that's the simplest way to get through it. So you have a lot of, you have all of the control as a matter of fact, because you control your own actions, you control your own preparation. So the control is all yours. Now, if you fall short or if something happens or if the cadre seem to think that you'd be better at something else, then it's a discussion, but it's not direction. It's a discussion between you and the cadre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next one. I'm going to take, uh, entering the air force at 17 and want to do CCT. Should I just go for it or should I go security forces first? That would never work out. You can't get in the Air Force at 17 and be a controller. And if you're under 5'5", forget it. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take this a little bit different. Who cares about your age? Like, whatever. You'll you'll be just fine as long as you are... uh, you just perform. But I think I want to take it a little bit differently. Like we, we have a lot of people that want to come into the Air Force or they, they, they think they're not ready. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to do C or I'm going to do security forces. I'm going to do whatever in hopes that it's a, a stepping stone to go into PJ, CCT, SR and stuff. It's not a stepping stone. You are never guaranteed. So a couple of things. One is you're never guaranteed the opportunity to cross train. Um, yep. You're never guaranteed the opportunity, if you are at another unit or in a different job, the opportunity to train, right? Because these, some of these young guys that are young guys and girls that are coming in, they have hours upon hours to train. Um, if you are a security forces dude, for example, or a maintainer, you're working 12-hour shifts, you're jobbing, you, you may not be allowed to you know, go to the pool for two hours or go for a ruck for two or three hours. They just don't have the time. They have a unit or a section that they are trying to run, and there are things that need to be done. If you're a wrench turner, then, man, those aircraft have got to fly. So that is your priority, not working out. So understand it from their point of view. Um, Do I think that you should be given the amount of time to work out? Sure, yeah, I do. But there's also things that need to be done. So coming in to do something else first is not a good plan. I, I hate this one too, and it hates, I guess, a strong word, but we hear it so much time, you know, so many times. Hey, I'm just going to come in and, you know, I'm going to do SEER for a little bit. And then I was thinking about doing CCT, but that's really just because I want to do, you know, SR later in my career. And I always say, like, you understand that those are three distinctly hard, like, hard things to do, right? People that are, you know, come in and whatever the opinion about security forces is, people that are coming in with the sheer audacity to just be like, I'm just going to come into security forces, you know, spend some time doing that and then cross train when it is that I think that I'm ready. Like that's pretty disrespectful. Like security forces, these guys are out. I'll tell you from being deployed and watching these guys and girls on 12s, by the way, that 12 hours is 12 hours of work. They get on shift. They go to work. They're doing presence and it's not on base. They're doing presence patrols off base. They're getting after it out in the, in the area where we are. And then they get done and they're still going to the gym. But those are, you know, you figure you wake up an hour before shift, you get to shift, you go work your 12 hours, you're already at a 13 hour day. Now you're going to go work out hard. They don't have any time during the day to go work out. You're talking about cross training from from that job. So people just need to understand 
there's not some magical thing like you put your phase one packet in and your command goes, oh, you're going to go to AFSPEC war? You should take the day off today and go work out. That does not happen. I mean, I, I think everybody should go be an airborne crypto linguist and then cross-train into Intel and then cross-train <laughs> into SR. I mean, that's the only path that makes sense. That's the only path. And then after that, you can go ahead and work for the agency and then you can be the astronaut. And then if you have time, like you can just go online and be a doctor too. Right, yeah. What's the big deal? Actually, I, I kind of... I don't know if this was the subject, but I was at prep briefing the other day and I, I started kind of getting a little upset with somebody, you know, cause you get these questions, you know, all the what ifs and all this other crap. Like, what if I don't get the base I want? Or, you know, I'm just like, guys, stop worrying about crap that doesn't matter. All right. You're like a, a step negative three right now. Get through step one. Okay. And the, these jobs, they're, they're not, you know, they, they take up a whole bunch of your life, especially in the beginning. You, you, you don't need to be trying to plan. You need to plan to get the, the funny hat and be good at your job. And everything else will, will have well, its place. A, here's a question for you, Chief. And it kind of, now that you know Trent was saying that, do you think there's actually like too much information out there that people are trying to plan way too far in the future? Because I know for us, it was just like, I'm going to put my head down and I'm, I'm going to hope to graduate in doc. And I kind of know what the pipeline is. Like when we were when we were going through now, people are like, okay, cool. You know, I know exactly how long I'm going to spend at this first base and what's base of preference. I got I got 17 year olds in my DMs like, so am I going to get base of preference when I get out of the pipeline? <laughs> Talking about the OP already. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's like that meme where I'm at the end and I'm like, you're going to get base of preference. That's awesome. <laughs> I've been in for 20 years. And I don't have that. Yeah, what, what, what are you, yeah, you definitely don't have base preference. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, so going to the, is there is there too much information out there? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's why we exist, right? Because um, we, we kind of s- trying to sift through and get through all the information that's out there because old information doesn't get taken down, right? That old information is still out there. And then, I mean, you can ask, some of our, our well, I'll just call it our mid-level dudes and, you know, staff and tech sergeants that have been out of the pipeline for six, six, seven years now, they don't know what the pipeline looks right now either. So when they're talking to people, they, they, all they know is what they know. The only reason I know what I know is because of Trent so and Brian. So, <laughs> so I mean, let's, I'll be honest about that, but um, is, I think, you, you see, okay, this school is whatever, three weeks. The next one's 16 weeks. This is the order that it goes in. And then when there's a change, maybe you get a bit, you know, oh, no, what's what's going on? I, I just, I kind of put it down to work. You see work, do work. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter if it changes. Something needs to be done. Just go do it. You're never going to get things handed to you in your life that are completely planned out perfectly or laid out, outlined perfectly. Things change, um, whether that's because, you know, things change with you or things change with the pipeline. Like, it's just, just do it. it don't worry about if things change or if you're going to get base of preference because, I mean, really, we only have one kind of bad base. The other bases aren't too shabby. You know, and I'm sorry if you don't want to go overseas. Well, that's kind of what we do. 
we go overseas. Um, we don't do that much in the States, uh, at least Ooh. operationally, you know? So, but what if I don't want to? Then you shouldn't come into this job. <laughs> did you ever, yeah, did you ever think to say no? You know, we should have tried that, guys. The times that we did, like, you know, weeks and months and years of assignments that weren't really, like, our personal preference. Did we ever think to say no? Nah, bro. It's not my thing. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> no, because it's fun- fantastic. You telling me, like... Hey, you're going to go to Estonia, Estonia, Estonia. We're going to go to Estonia and we're going to talk to A10s and land them on a East highway. Estonia? East Sorry. Estonia. East, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Estonia, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just outside of Clovis. It's not fun. Estonia, man. Go set up, uh, you know, landing strip on a highway in Estonia. Going to go on a jump trip in Poland or Spain. Like, I mean, why would you ever say no to that anyway? Like, that's what blows my mind. But, okay. well, and can I just say something about the permanence real quick? Yeah. Like, nothing is permanent. So, like, even when we're here talking to y'all and we're like, hey, you, 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 if you put in a retraining package right now, like the way it is right today, no one can say no, right? Like, your commander can't say no and all this other stuff. But, like, tomorrow, literally tomorrow, that could be different. So, mm-hmm. Uh, just get into the process and and just keep moving forward. There, there will be obstacles no matter what. It's not going to be smooth and easy, you know. Not like this podcast. Oh yeah, this is smooth and easy. <laughs> this is smooth and easy. Baby. <laughs> All right. Well, there's three questions on here from different people that are asking this specific thing. So, I think we should probably address it. It's obviously a frequently asked question. Um, but I guess there's rumors going around that there's no more uh, phase two selection for stows and crows uh trent i'm gonna throw that over to you um because i have not heard that um i do know that there's been a move but uh i'm gonna throw that your way buddy for the stows and crows um those are still being handled by the other magic comms um but like we just got done saying that things change so by the time <laughs> this gets released right you yeah, know, there's, like, no way, there's no way for us to do it yeah i mean because like a, of course yeah, COVID has affected everything. Like, it threw everything for a wrench. It forced us to look at different processes, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, like a year ago, we had phase two for our enlisted retrainees, right? And now they just come over and go through prep and AS. So, yeah, the officers right now are still doing it the old school way, as far as I know. More to follow, maybe. Yeah, things change. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, from what I understand, though, is that phase two, as of right now, phase two is happening. It is just moving to a different MAGCOM or a major command for those folks that don't know what a MAGCOM is. Yeah, and that's a maybe. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't It's still a hard maybe. Yeah, yeah. A lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. Trent, is, you can tell, this is this is like takes up Trent's workspace. He, he's not happy about it. I don't want to go into work mode right now, guys. I don't want to do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to ask this question, then bounce real quick and then come back. But uh, how do you recover during ANS, uh, will you be afforded time to roll out and stretch and all that kind of stuff? Aaron. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, I don't know. Will you like, this is a thing too. Like I can't really talk to somebody's time, you know, time management, their prioritization, what it is that they're going to do. I mean, yeah, you're going to get done training. Like there's a training day. You're not training 24 hours a day. So you're going to wake up. You're going to go to breakfast. You're going to hit your training day. Once that training day is over, and it's probably going to be over by when the chow hall opens for dinner. After that, like your time is your time till the next day. So you can recover as much as you can in your own time. The weekends are the same thing. There's always these outlier 
sort of things. Sometimes the instructors show up in your place of residence and you have, that's not going to be recovery. (laughs) That is going to be something else. And sometimes you earned it, right? So yeah, you'll have plenty of time to recover. It's how is your, how is your time management? When everybody asks me questions, I'm always just like, I don't know. Will you, are you going to prioritize this or are you going to go to dinner and eat a bunch of food and then go home and watch movies in the team room with your bros as opposed to rolling out. Oh, we, we've talked about, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of preference, right? Cause we all know Jared is, he needs snacks, he, you know, but like, it's very food dependent. Yeah. I really enjoy my sleep. So like when we both get off yeah. after a training event, I might be like, I'm going to bed. I might grab something small right. to eat. Jared might stay up and like, then wake up three times in the middle of the night to eat, you know, and Aaron's over there rolling out because he really cares about, you know, supple leopard type stuff yeah you know like but like but if we all graduate then who was right in this equation right and as you know it's you make time for what you again who said that uh spence was it tech sergeant spencer that was like you know you need to give 100 percent, but it needs to be 100 percent to everything of course yeah you're gonna have time to roll out are you gonna give your mobility 100 percent of your attention because it deserves it are you gonna go train 100 percent and then recover 100 percent as well I, I think that you'll probably be afforded that opportunity. There's always going to be time. Like if you're sleeping out in the field, you're probably not going to carry a roller with you. You're probably not going to have a lacrosse ball. Can you get some stretching in? Can you do some of that stuff? Sure. But that's going to be on you. That's completely and totally your decision. I will say though, the, um, the facilities that they have there at Lackland tr- showed me around a couple months ago. They're incredible. Thank I mean, you, they, right? they're awesome. I mean, you folks out there that are coming in, you have no idea the amazing facilities that you guys are going to get to hang out in and live in. And I, God. listen up, kids. Back in my day, yeah, <laughs> that's not is. where I'm going for, <laughs> but that's fine. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I wanted you to do it. I wanted it. I want you the have no idea. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, all right, next question. I, I'm not asking that. I don't answer, but don't answer. But this is the question. Is there a shortage of candidates with this new soft generation? Soft S O F T. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not asking that. <laughs> I mean, obviously our generation was way better. Obviously we were way better, right? Yeah. And if you talk to a Vietnam veteran, we are also terrible because they were harder than we were. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, I think the Korea guys have it. That's, you know, yeah, I don't know. You know, if you look at those, uh, <laughs> if you look at the World War One guys, trench warfare wasn't wasn't easy either. I think those guys are probably harder than World War Two. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, there, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of trolling on this one, <laughs> Solid. which I love it. it. I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> I'm for it. Well, there's some uh, inappropriate uh, emojis or maybe appropriate if you're in an actual team room, not one that's going to get, not this team room that's Actually, going out probably, on YouTube. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe like three years from now, this yeah, team yeah, room yeah. Would, would be appropriate. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the, one of the questions is talk about spouses, jobs, availability and their benefits. Um, I, I won't hit on that too much just in the way that, okay. You know, if you're going to, we obviously have mill to mill spouses out there and they have, if, if your spouse is military, they're going to have their own military benefits and all that kind of stuff. If your 
spouse is a civilian, they have the opportunity to, they, you know, they can get jobs on base. They can get normal jobs that are not associated with the military or base at all. They can have the same kind of life that they have now. Um, there are, you know, GS or government government jobs that they can get, but um, that is not a guarantee, and that is a can be a difficult world to get in. So um, I would not bank on that, but I mean, really, they're they're not in the military, so they can get any job they want to. It's it's not a big deal. Are there difficulties with with moving every you know four years? Absolutely. Um, so that's a real thing. And actually, there's I don't know if you you probably wouldn't know this, Aaron, but um, Donna was found like a local boutique uh, lady that. She, her husband is is army and she has an online store set up so she sells kind of kind of like how our yeah. yeah she sells everything out of her house and all that kind of stuff and That's so as gift. they move yeah as they move the store just nothing nothing happens you know they just move around and she sells stuff out of her house i mean it's actually pretty pretty genius um i've heard you can well, also get one's ready stuff online too just throwing it out there like yeah and if, yeah, you can just go to onesready.com and hit that shop up. No big deal. Yeah, as we as we move out of the way of the flag. Yeah. No, no big deal. Medic perspective uh. for dropping that owl for me. Ooh, <laughs> Jared, are you saying that you could also possibly get a hoist using code onesready at checkout and you can get yourself a sweet discount? Maybe some new packets coming out? Your shills. A bunch of shills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the one good thing I will say about the spouse job thing is if there was one good thing that COVID really did do for us is teleworking tons and tons. The spouses networks have been blowing up about you can actually work from home for a lot of different places now. There's a lot of different places that are like, hey, we figured out, you know, teleworking solutions for all this. So those things are easing up. But the, the big one there is, is the moving. You know, if you move, I, I personally, there, I've only had one assignment. Even as an enlisted guy, that's lasted a full four years, and it was in Albuquerque. Every single other assignment has been three years or less for me. So, you know, I think seven moves in, in 14 years is something. Um, you know, seven moves in 15 years uh, is is my number for that. So you can imagine for a spouse, it's really, really hard to, to keep a job if, if your job is geographically located. So it, it's tough. It's something you need to talk about with your spouse. Ooh. Uh, best tips for getting better at pull-ups. Um, okay. I, I have a pull-up workout that I, I always is kind of my go-to. I, you know, it's a push pull. So you do, you know, one pull-up and these are strict pull-ups. You do one pull-up, hop down, two push-ups, hop back up on the bar, two pull-ups, hop down, do four push-ups and you keep going. And you know, at first you try and make it as far as you can up the ladder, but then once say it's 10, 10 pull-ups that you get to, 10 pull-ups and 20 push-ups. Then once, if that's your cap, then start working your way back down, nine, eight, all the way down. If you can crush 10 easily, then go to 15, you know, just, so I do that. And that only, not, not only helps out pull-ups, but it also helps out push-ups. That's just my go-to when people say, or even if I'm struggling on pull-ups, that's what I'll go do. That's the workout. Pull-ups is one of those things. I hate this answer because it sounds like the biggest cop-out answer. People are like, oh, I want to get better at running. Oh, you got to go run, bro. Just go run. But pull-ups really is, it really is beneficial to do volume. It's really, really hard because of all of like your main muscle groups and then the assistant muscle groups. Everything that you're working with a pull-up, can. it's pretty hard to overtrain that. So for me, you know, three, because I my pull-ups suck. 
My pull-ups have always sucked. I've always been borderline at pull-ups. It's probably my worst calisthenic exercise. So for me, it has to be one of those things where I'll just go out and every, you know, I think three days a week I start off and I just do, you know, burnout sets. So I, how many pull-ups am I doing today? Okay. I can knock out 12 or 13, you know, okay. I'm going to do that for two sets. Okay. Now I can only do 10. Okay. Well, I'm going to do a couple sets of 10. All right. Now I'm down to eight. I can only do eight or seven. And I essentially do that until I'm down to around, I can't do five good strict pull-ups because then that gets me the volume. And then some days just like, you know, I have a number like, okay, well, I'm going to do 75 pull-ups before I start this workout. So volume for pull-ups typically works pretty well. Yeah. I got a pull-up bar downstairs, you know, on the way to the bathroom, you know, like what I mean? Like you do ins ins and outs from the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if you're downstairs doing whatever, and it's just like, knocks them out. And the kids know they're just like, Oh, daddy's over there. He just knocks out some pull-ups. That could go bad. That could go bad real fast. Oh God. Oh God. (laughs) This is why I don't go to Taco Bell and I try to stay dehydrated because then it's just hell on my lats. Modern problems require modern solutions. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh man. All right. So this, this one, I'm going to love the sarcastic, um, answers to this i i hope and i know i have sarcastic answers how do get how do i get the most out of basic military training especially with covid regulations all right i mean <laughs> like you're not gonna get anything anything physically uh, and and call me a naysayer you're not gonna get anything physically out of bmt when i went in it like I lost a significant amount of weight. I got out of running shape. I got out of workout shape. You try and you just got to try and work out as much as you possibly can. There's nothing stopping you from doing sit-ups, push-up, flutter kicks in the in the bay area. Um, if you can drape a towel over um, a door, right? You can you can get some kind of pull-ups in there. I mean, you just got to go prison workout, at least when I was coming through. Now, they do have some of the specific special warfare, you know, BMT flights, which does give you more time to work out, does give you more time to sleep and eat. Um, I don't know, Trent, you could probably elaborate on that a little bit more, how they're doing that. It's just some some extra workouts, and uh, there's some equipment over there for the, the folks to use. Um, but like it's like you said, like you get whatever... You get out whatever you put in. If we're talking about physicality specifically, and if you're talking about like what else you get out of BMT, it's like you learn about how to be a basic airman in the Air Force. Like it's not. Yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna go in there and you wanna be like this, this question it actually does kind of make me mad, and it it makes me mad in a in a different sort of sense. But people are like, oh, I'm not gonna get anything out of BMT. I'm not gonna learn anything. Since when is it okay for you to be average or mediocre at anything? Why are you not putting out to get, if you're in a class, why are you not studying that class material afterwards? Why are you not trying to figure this out? Why are you not trying to figure out that you're going to be presented with a ton of material? Basic is not a cakewalk. People go in there and it's an indoctrination into being in the military. So for you to go in there and just waste your time, be like, oh, it's a, it a waste of time. I didn't get anything out of it because my run times went down. Really? Is that, is that the best you could do? Do you feel good about how you put out at basic training? Like what, call me crazy. What if you went in there and crushed it? What if your goal was to get honor grad 
And then you take that honor grad and then you went to your pipeline with that honor grad behind you because you actually tried and put out and you actually gave that iteration your 100% because that's what we're looking for in spec war. People, I've said this before, but you don't just turn on performance. Performance is a habit. If you think you're just going to go and kill time at basic training, be like, oh, this is dumb. But when it comes time, I'm going to smoke the pipeline. Oh, really? Because you're kind of like got a switch, bro. I got a switch, bro. It's it's like fighting. I don't do jujitsu because, man, in the streets, I'll just turn red and I'll just I'll, lose I'll it. Black out. Yeah. I'll you won't know. <laughs> you I'll wake up and there's bodies out. all over the place. That's it, man. It'll be like that scene in Con Air where he, he kills three guys in a bar fight and then has to go on a C-130 with Cyrus the virus. Sorry, that was way too much of a <laughs> That man was a ranger. No, 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 that, I, yeah. I, just, I just saw that <laughs> meme from, from Disaster the other day. <laughs> In processing the 75th, and he's oh, all dizzy. clean, and then out processing the 75th, and he's just beat yeah. up. <laughs> it's oh, the, it is the bar fight scene. It is the bar fight scene. Shout out to Dizzy, man. The, the, the meanest tree-loving uh, game, Twitch gamer on the face of the planet. What's up, Dizzy? <laughs> Aaron, this one's going to go to you. This one's talking about prior service transitioning. So, you know, your, your cross trainee type stuff. So that, that is literally all it says is those, those three words, prior service transitioning. So I'm allowing to, yeah. So I'm going to kind of like, how, how did the cross training process go from you? Can you, can you kind of walk us from cradle to grave on that? Yeah, it's exactly the same. And I've, I've talked about it. You can go to the YouTube and you can go to the podcast and kind of kind of get the process down but the process is what the process is you have to go to you have to go to your retraining and assessments people you have to make yourself known to your chain of command right the first thing would be to go to your supervisor and say hey i'm, I'm thinking about making this move because your supervisor if they're doing right by you they should help you they should be like okay cool this is how you get to retraining these are the things that you need to talk about do you even qualify right and then you start going through the process the the admin requirement it's a little bit different when you're coming in off the streets because the recruiter does that all for you he sets those, you know, he sets your, you're not like calling MEPS directly and scheduling your own MEPS appointment when you're coming in through a recruiter or through T3I or through the development program in the, in the Air Force, in the active duty Air Force. And as a prior service, you're doing all that legwork on your own. They just give you a list because they expect you. They're like, okay, well, you're in the military, figure it out. So you're calling the flight, like you're calling flight medicine be like, Hey, I need a flying physical. I need to schedule for this. And sometimes that takes two or three months. Or I need to I need to call somebody to get to a developer to get me this PT test. I need to submit this paperwork to retraining. I need to click these buttons on Talent Marketplace and go through AMS. I need to do all of these things, and that's completely on you. So for me, I basically was at a level where I was able to pass the pass test. I was at any time anybody could walk into my office and be like, "Hey, we're going to go do a pass test right now," and I was able to satisfy that pass test whether I worked out that day or not. At that point, I basically hit the button and said, hey, I want to volunteer for this thing. And I started putting my packet together and then getting ready to go down. At that time, there was there was nothing but a PT test. And then you just showed up at NDOC. For, um, you know, obviously for us, there's, it's, again, like Trent said earlier, there's some rumblings that cross trainees and prior service might start going to prep now. And that might be a thing. So keep your, keep your eyes out for that. But nothing solid yet. But you should be physically ready and prepared because as soon as you submit that packet, that phase one packet, you could be given a spot at ANS really, really soon after that. So having all your ducks in a row, having everything set up. And then the other part of it for me, which was a a big heavy lift was the time management because I had a job that 
until I graduated in doc, my chain of command was great. Right. So until I graduated in doc though, they were like, Hey, we know that you want to try this thing, but the likelihood that you're going to fail is 91%. So we can't have you out of the office for a, for a 9% chance of success. It, it just is what it is. It's a numbers game. You might not make it. So we need you to work. And we, you can't have two hours in the middle of the day to just, you know, go to the gym and go swim and stuff. So, you know, I was, I was awake. I've told this story, but in Andrews Air Force Base, I was waking up because I had to leave my house at 4.30 in the morning. I had to be at the gym by, you know, 4.45 so I could work out. So, you know, I think I left the house like 4.15 every single morning. 4.45, I was at the gym, worked out until 7, took a shower, and then I was at work by 7.30. And then I worked 7.30 to 16.30 every single day. And if I had, and there was no, in the middle of my day going on runs, there was no lunchtime stuff, like you work. And then, uh, once I got back from Indoc, my chain of command again, awesome. When I got back from Indoc, my boss looked straight at me and said, Hey, as far as I'm concerned, you need to focus on your physical training, your mobility and going to these pipeline schools. So I'm going to give you a lot more late leeway for, you know, the pipeline, because as far as I'm concerned, you know, I wasn't willing to give you that credit, but now you've proven that you're 91% better, uh, you know, than, than other people that tried to do this thing. So we're going to give you a little bit more leeway, but it's not like that for everybody. You might get back and they'd be like, they might be like, great, thanks. But for the last eight weeks, we've been picking up your slack. So you need to come back to work. And then, you know, you have to kind of ride the pipeline after that. So for cross trainees and getting in there, it's not easy. And they expect a lot more out of you. And we've talked about this ad nauseum about, what we're looking for in ANS from cross trainees and, and NCOs and how you're supposed to show different skills and show more mature skills and more mature character traits. But the process itself, everything is on you. It's a choose your own adventure game for sure. And then there's a difference between cross training and then prior service folks. And I want to try right. this and yeah. see if it actually works later on. Go watch the master Sergeant Gann episode. And there's a link right here. I'm trying it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, do it. I'll, I'll see if I, yeah, okay. Okay. We'll see if we can get the, uh, the YouTubes on the interwebs to make it happen. Uh-huh. But if you're listening instead of Give watching YouTube, then it's michael.gan.1 at us.af.mil. I have that memorized Just because email. that is how many times I, I, I have typed so it out. <laughs> I said it out so many times. They're like, I don't know what to do as a prior service guy. I'm like, boy, do I have an email for you? Man, I don't even have to look yeah, it up anymore. Yep, exactly. Dude, yep. Mike's got to hate us. <laughs> <laughs> my my inbox is blowing up. <laughs> so these guys. we actually did get uh, three, two or three more questions come in. Uh, oh, yeah. Could we know a little bit more about the guard tryouts? Um, so No. Yeah. Each one of them is different. (laughs) Every every single guard unit is different. Um, You know, whether it's the 125th, 123rd, if it's the the RQS guard and reserve units, every single one of them is different because they they are not active duty. So they get the the kind of leeway to do whatever they want. Maybe they just want a phone interview. That's unlikely. But maybe they want a phone interview. Maybe they want you to come out for a week and they're going to put you through the ringer. Maybe. And that's probably more so what's going to happen or, or just have you come out and hang out with them during some training because they want to see if you are the type of person that they even want to hang around. I mean, that's really, well, cause that's people don't get it. The guard is hiring you for life. Yep. 
right? When you go active duty, you switch teams every three or four years. You get to see new people and meet new people. When you go to the guard, if you go to Alaska to go be a PJ in Alaska, they are hiring you to live there and work there on that team for the rest of your life. So they want to evaluate you as a person. They want to see if your personality fits in. They want to see what kind of person you are in the team room. They want to, they evaluate, everybody evaluates a little bit differently from Davis Monathan to Kentucky to the Portland STS to New York. They, they look at a lot of different things and not all in, you know, the guard, they all have their kind of, you know, different personalities, which is the awesome thing about the guard is all those units have, you know, different personalities of, of dudes that work up there, but, but they're hiring you for life. Right. So I, and because I'm not a guard guy, we can't tell you what the individual assessments look like. They, they look for different stuff. I hate the guard people. They're so happy. I don't want to talk about the guard anymore. I don't like it. Boy, that was very personal. Every time they come on here, they're always like, life is so great in the garden. I'm like, get out, get out now. We're not talking about this. Um, one of the questions here is is talking about uh, people that are non-citizens or, or foreign. So for that specifically, you guys have got to, you're going to need to have a 10-year green card. Like that is the requirement to come in. So um, not, maybe not come in, but at least into aspect war, you're going to need a 10-year green card. So I just figured I'd answer that one real quick. Yeah, ability to get a TS is all career fields now, right? So you have to be able to have a secret and then ability to get a TS, correct? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to get a TS right off the bat. Right. Yeah, but but ability to get one. Okay. Everybody, I think all the AFSOC billets, especially, are TS. Yeah, they are. Ooh, here we go. This one Does that could one be a just good come one right to, now. Ooh, just hot off the presses. Yeah. Hey, you guys heard about that, huh? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, this one could be a good. Good last one to, to wrap it up, maybe. What is the most important lesson you guys have learned in your career? That is such such a difficult question to answer. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Check my right. feces Ooh, for blood. What's that? <laughs> I'd miss that. What was that? <laughs> what? You didn't. I wouldn't say you missed it, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have a chance to mentor and guide the youth. And Trent decides to say his most important his most important lesson is check your feces for blood. Why? That's, that's, that's actually that's a, not a bad. That's not bad advice, actually. <laughs> so I'm just saying that's that's a good lesson learned. You know, it's a good life lesson for sure. Um, How do you know if you're healthy? I, you got to check yeah, what's coming out. Fantastic. Well, let's uh, <laughs> in a in an actual attempt to answer the question. I, All right, Aaron, Aaron, turn I, it around. Come on. Here we go. I'm trying, I got to turn this ship around. I think the, the only one is like, you know, you, you're never going to know anything. So you need to maintain that lifelong student sort of sort of mindset. I think the one thing that I've learned through my career is that every day is I, I don't know everything. I don't even know close to everything. So you really have to approach things in a way that you're constantly learning and you're constantly trying to get better or you're going to be irrelevant and left behind the you know, there's always guys in the career fields and guys in, in the, op, you know, all, all the career fields, really, TACP, combat controller, PJs, Crows, Stows, special warfare officers, everybody, right? There are people that we meet that, that you're just like, oh, I don't really like that dude. And you can't really put your, or that, you know, even that, you know, that chick, um, it, it, you can't put your finger on it. But a lot of times you're just like, you know, that person 
is kind of done learning. Like they don't, they don't want to be engaged in this process. They wouldn't, they don't want to find new and inventive ways to solve problems with me. They don't want to be part of this new thing that we're doing. They, you know, they're just like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm good. You know? And I, I don't know. I think the, the more, the more that I grow in the career field and in my career and, and start looking at really like what, what really is important and what lesson really is important to me. It's, you know, be a lifelong student and continue to learn and continue to be in the process, like be involved. It, it might be cool to be like, Oh, this GWAT thing is over and that's not what I got into. And I don't want to do global access. I don't want to do this stuff that AFSOC is doing. When is it okay to be mediocre? That's never been a thing. It's never been okay to just be poo poo about stuff. And just because you, you're not personally happy with something just to be like, Oh, this is dumb. I'm not doing it. But those people are really just done learning. I, I think that's the, you know, that, and that is such a tough question to answer because you're talking about, you know, Peaches has, you know, two and a half decades of time. You know, Trent and I have, you know, close to two decades of time each in here. And, you know, you learn new lessons every day, but, you know, never stopping learning, never having that pursuit of excellence and no kidding, um, trying and, and learning every day has been a good, a good lesson for me to learn. Awesome. Trent, are you, you sticking with the, uh, the pieces? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that's just solid advice that I got. You see what I did with the solid. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is being, in, being involved in your own career and your, your everyday and, and maintaining balance. Like, uh, you know, it, it's a big question. And, and it, it if you want me to like look back and be nostalgic about things, like what are the things that, you know, and Aaron and I have talked about this before, like what do you value the most? And it's the people around you, it's the experiences, it's everything you've learned. And they, they, they all kind of come together. So, um, you know, valuing the people around you and then uh, respecting yourself enough to be good at something and then just staying, uh, m- maintaining that active participation in everything that's going on, you know, instead of like getting into that victim mentality uh, and that kind of goes into like, I see that a lot of people adopt that victim mentality when they don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're like, like the global access thing. Right. And it's kind of a classic right now. I don't want to do global access. It's like, bro, like, have you ever done it? And have you ever like gotten into it and seen right. all the possibilities? Yeah. So, you know, main, maintaining that open mind and, and, and not, you know, shutting doors is, is, is huge, you know, cause you don't, like you said, you don't know what's through that door. And then there's two more doors that you're not even aware of for the opportunities to do some really crazy stuff. So that's a, uh, that's my ramble on it. What about you, Peach? What's that? Uh, what's that lesson? Oh, wise, wise elder. <laughs> oh boy. I'm so glad we did gallery mode on this. <laughs> so, uh, you guys know all, I'm all about that PMA life, that positive mental attitude life. Uh, it just it can take you so far and it can dig you out of dark places dark situations um and you can also you know there there are going to be mostly great times during these jobs but then there's there's times where it is not fun it is you know there's people that get hurt there's people that die and being able to fall back on that positivity will really help you out a lot. Um, and it's easy to go, Oh, Hey, yeah, I'm happy. Go lucky. Yeah, that's great. Um, but it, like it's, it's a real thing. If you surround yourself with positive people that are trying to build you up 
and that actually support you, not say they support you and behind your back, they're like, dude, I hope this dude fails. No, surround your pe- yourself with people that are no kidding positive, that want to see you succeed. Keep a positive mental attitude and it will carry you so far, especially in those really, really dark places. So that's my lesson learned. Um, I mean, we've all been around people that are extremely negative and you just kind of try and break away from them. There's just that toxic mentality. Um, it, you know, it's, it's just a cancer in the team room. Yeah, I am so glad that you went last because that was actually the best answer. It was so, so much better than you know us. Funny? Well, you know what's funny about that is like, I tried to be like, you know, I tried to give my answer and then Trent, you were talking about feces and then peaches you know, finished <laughs> off with actually good. So we literally had a shit sandwich. Hey, <laughs> It feels like the right place to end. Welcome to the One's Ready Team Room. <laughs> Moment of silence for our professionalism. It's oh, that left a long time ago. <laughs> there it is. There you go. There it is. Good All go. right. Well, to everybody out there that's listening, appreciate you guys tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. Appreciate all the support, all the DMs, all the emails. And, you know, check out all of our partners that we work with, all of our friends. You know, you got Hoist. We talked about Trench at the beginning. We've got Alpha Brew, Out of Reg's Pomade, Eberly Stock, um, who, uh, Hoist. Uh, or I already said Hoist. I don't know. I'm sure I'm forgetting one. But Strikeforce Energy, Cardo Max. Like, they all have promo codes. One's Ready is a promo code. Get you a discount. Support them. They're supporting us. So, um, you know. It's win-win all around. All right. You guys go out there and train hard. Red as hell. Have a good one. Later.